0: It became clear that we just have so many professionals who are living in a world where we used to go home and like be able to reset. You know, we had that time away from work and we're just living in a completely fractured time where with work life, you know, it's really hard and you have to create boundaries and many of us don't know how to create boundaries. And so you're homing from work and working from home and not feeling like you're doing anything
1: well. Welcome to Seriously Catherine, a podcast about taking your business seriously, but not yourself. All right, y'all, this week's hot take is all about the Grammys. Oh, my God. So the most important thing is that there's been rumors or speculation that Taylor Swift was going to announce a new album, but it was going to be the Reputation Taylor's version album. And no, she has a brand new album. It's called The Tortured Poets Department. Who knows? I'm a little kind of like was hoping that there would be like another it would be another pop album. It sounds like it's going to be more of like, a you know, alternative album, whatever. Anything she does, I support fully. So some other things that that came up. So she won for Album of the Year for Midnight's, which I support. Oh, John baptiste was there. Tracy Chapman was there. She did a duet with Luke Holmes and her song that he also did, which is so great. I mean, if you don't know that song. He's gonna his car. Go. Miley Cyrus won her very first Grammy for Flowers. Listen, Miley Cyrus is like in the category of Britney Spears' Madonna. They're crazy. We know they're crazy. We love them for it. And so I'm just really happy that she won a Grammy. Beyonce was there and jay-z and blue ivy jay-z was the recipient of the dr dre global impact award which is amazing good for him he did take that opportunity to point out that beyonce although she has the most grammys ever in history she's never won album of the year and he's a little he's a little hurt about it like i mean and i get it i get what he's saying but like This year, she didn't put in any new content or any new album. So, I mean, it was sort of like, where is this coming from? And so I get, like, some people are like, oh, my God, why would he take this opportunity to talk shit when she didn't even put uh, out any new material? But, like, when was the last time he had the platform with a mic and to be able to speak to as many people as he could, you know, for Grammy's night? He was literally in front of the very crowd that needed to hear how pissed off he is. Uh, Celine Dion was there. This is, like, her first you know, public appearance since being diagnosed with uh, is a neurological disease disease. I think it's called stiff person's disease she looked beautiful and that was awesome for her to be out fantasia Barrino did an amazing tribute to tina turner and then miley cyrus i think was channeling tina turner in her outfit when she performed flowers and it was so adorable i don't know if you saw this clip but it's go find it if you didn't it's like while miley cyrus was performing flowers she like acknowledged that oh my god she just won her first grammy oh oh i, I do have to i do have to do a little hot take on trevor noah he was like the host and he did so good. A lot of like his little clips and quimps are getting like a lot of viral attention on social media. And he called out Taylor Swift but in a way that wasn't like, you know, being a bully. I love Trevor Noah. And I'm kind of sad, you know, he's not doing The Daily Show anymore. Jon Stewart's back. All right. This week in Saratoga, it's Chowder Fest. It's a great event. It's a wild and exciting event. And there is one person who... I believe, is owed a great due of admiration and appreciation, and that is Connie Crudeau. She works for Discover Saratoga, the Convention and Tourism Bureau in Saratoga Springs, and I'm so thrilled that Saratoga Living After Hours featured her in their email because she is the real MVP, the queen of Chowderfest. and she has been working for Discover Saratoga, I think it's in like 2008. It was like the first year that Chowderfest was even like a thing and it is all due to her that it has become completely successful and I remember the first year that I was like sort of like on the scene in 2012 they did a flash mob On Caroline Street, it was so much fun. She has all these ideas and then she executes them. It's incredible. She has a team of people working with her, but she really is like the one that you call if you need anything on that day. She is amazing. So 40,000 people will come to downtown Saratoga Springs on Saturday. With that many people coming to downtown Saratoga, you know we need a little more resources and infrastructure to help this event run smoothly. So, So the actual Chowder Fest is from 10 to 4. The shuttles are going to be running from 10 to 5 from the casino to downtown. So I implore you to park there and take that shuttle. It's such a fun time. It is incredibly overwhelming, though. There's a lot of people downtown. There's a lot of drinking happening. Back to Connie. She really is such an MVP. She is absolutely the queen of chowder fest. There should be a crown, not just for the chowder, but just like for Connie to get a crown every year because it's so much work. You have to understand she's coordinating all these restaurants, all their insurance documents, their health department waivers like to participate in this thing and there's a safety concern got to get streets blocked off i mean it's a huge collaborative effort you know i love collaboration but she is really at the helm and we appreciate her so so much for doing this and continuing to put on this amazing event for our town thank you connie for bringing a giant group of people to come into town this weekend you're the best On this week's episode of Seriously Catherine, I'm joined by Allie Myers. She is an executive coach, speaker, trainer, and a mindset shifter. She is all about positive psychology and helping you live a happier and more fulfilling life. Let's get into it. So when I think of you, I think of you, like, as Miss Saratoga. Oh, (laughs) Oh
0: my gosh. It's true. You're so so engaged
1: and involved, and you're on boards, and you're just, like, everywhere. And then you're also on the board of the Y. Yes. Yeah. So tell us, sort of, your trajectory. Are you born, raised in Saratoga? No,
0: I raised in Clifton Park. You know, I had a a job at DuPont. Um, I was a chemical engineer, um, working designing specialty polymers. How sexy is that? And it led me eventually to Boston, where I loved. You know, I absolutely loved Boston. But shortly after moving to Boston, I came home for Christmas. And I fell in love. And oh. then it brought me home. And that was the end of that. Okay, so, so your
1: husband is here.
0: He's here. He grew up in Albany. But when I met him, he was already living in Saratoga. Okay. It's funny you say Miss Saratoga. At the time, his office, um, so we have a family business, Myers and Myers, it's been over 50 years, but based in Albany. And he lived in Saratoga, but he didn't know anybody in Saratoga. It was kind of funny. So when I moved in with him, we really didn't know anyone. But he loves being out. You know, he he grew up in a family where his dad was a politician and it was a small business. So you had to bring in the business. You had yeah. to be out. You had to be chatting with people. And this life was so new to me, like being out all the time at night, knowing people in my neighborhood. I, you know, <laughs> I grew up in the suburbs. My parents didn't hang out with people in their neighborhood, you know, yeah. but I loved it. It was me. I'm very social. We were out and about all the time um, until we had kids and then we had to have I said, you know, David, we can't be out seven nights a week. <laughs> and that's when we started our date night because we said going out is so important to us, like being social, knowing the people within our community. And so we made a commitment every Wednesday night we're going to go out. We have almost never missed a Wednesday or Thursday that go wow. you know back and forth. And eventually we're like, we love this so much, we're going to add Saturday to it. Nice. And believe it or not, we still have the same Saturday babysitter. That we had when our son was eight weeks old. Wow, that, that's
1: awesome. She's been
0: with us for close to fifteen years.
1: That's amazing. Yes. I picture like you. Do, do you run your house like a like a well oiled machine? Anybody coming in, sort of like everything's set up for success, and you just like they just like follow the rules, follow, follow well direction. You know,
0: it's it's funny. This is where you know the perception of me gets <laughs> a little funny. I I am a disaster in terms of like house organization. What? Let's say that. Yes, this is but, so hard
1: to believe. But.
0: Parental discipline, I'm pretty good at. Yeah. Okay, so I really hit a point. I think it was between child three and four that. I just and I wanted to start doing things for myself, you know, like going back to work and yeah. you know getting involved in the community. And I just couldn't do it all. And yeah. that's totally what what fell by the wayside. And my my husband's so organized that it drives him crazy. But I I always tell him when the kids are old enough and like they can contribute. And now they're starting to contribute. So the house is slowly getting back to like a, a, a halfway decent. But that's what gets gets uh, dropped by the wayside with yeah. me for sure. Yeah,
1: I mean something drops, mm-hmm. and if you're really good and. and And sort of like okay with asking for help Mm -hmm. and having someone who's expert is that Mm -hmm. come in and help you it's such a game-changer
0: totally but but in terms of well there are a few things that were like not negotiables like number one sleep sleep is so important to me and I am terrible without enough sleep so we've been crazy about the kids their schedules and everything every single one of them and so that has you know been super important and then just you know I really feel like this day and age where we're scared to tell our kids no and like create boundaries which they're craving. Yeah. And you know, my kids respond really well to boundaries and especially I, I always say I have, my oldest uh, is neurodivergent. He was diagnosed early, you know, on the spectrum and with ADHD and I don't know, it's a chicken and egg thing. I think if we didn't have that schedule organization mm you know, it would have been so difficult with him. And on the other hand, I think he's thriving because we did, you know, and he also set the stage with making that part of our lives. Yeah. So it's
1: not like the other kids don't ever know any different.
0: Right, they yeah. don't know any different. Yeah. They they know it's you know nine o'clock. It's time for bed. You yeah, know, it's they a sitter has never had an issue putting them to bed ever. That's awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah. So my sitters don't have problems put my kids to bed. I do. <laughs> right, <laughs> it's right. It's like every night is just an absolute like negotiation. Strategy. Yes. I mean, I'm just always like, and I have to like set myself up for it. So it's like, okay, I'm going to be able to do this. Yes. You know? and yes. It's...
0: Well, I I think it's just that I have zero. Pa- my mom used to use this phrase with me. Like she used to say, seven o'clock, Allie, it's my favorite time of day. Okay. And she said, you'll understand someday. And I swear from my, when my kids were little, when it was seven o'clock and there were babies and it was bedtime, I was done. I was out of bandwidth. Yeah. And that's the way I am. It's like, okay, out of my room, get to bed. I'm done. I can't give you any more. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: No, it's, I'm figuring it out. I mean, and I have like these little babies. I mean, mm-hmm. Posey's the oldest. She's nine. Mm-hmm. And then we have Ruby six and Zia's four. And Zia and Ruby share a room. Mm-hmm. So they like feed off of each other. That's and tough. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's tough. Okay. And it's all boys.
0: All boys. All boys. Yes. So, so
1: tell us, so you, you were, I guess, a chemist? Like what was your- Chemical engineer. Chemical engineer, yes. you know, and what sort of, like, did you take a step back when you had kids?
0: yes oh i've i've done many different types of things and it's funny I used to be so paranoid about you know changing my identity well I'm doing this today well I'm doing this tomorrow but I really feel like I'm at a point in my life that I'm like I don't care yeah. every single thing I did had a component which was a stepping stone to where I am today everything even yeah. if like at first glance it doesn't even seem remotely related uh, but yes I studied chemical engineering in school you're a little i mean not super limited but I didn't want to be in a lab I didn't want to be in a manufacturing facility so I went Into sales, and that was great. You know, at that point, I was just moving back to the area, and I started a business at the time where I spoke to women about wardrobing, like confidence, wardrobe through confidence. I did some personal shopping and things like that, but I did a lot of speaking, and I loved the speaking. I didn't love the fact that I had people who thought their fashion emergency was the the worst problem in the world, you know, and I was the one who was called on uh, for that. So when I started having kids, Shortly after my oldest was was diagnosed with some learning challenges, and you know we just had several years where it was a lot of work at home. You know, just navigating that whole special ed process and giving him what he needed at home. Right. And of course, you know me, you'd think I know better, but then I'm continuing to have babies on top of that, which I always wanted. Yeah, and so you know I was I was home based for a while, then started kind of getting back into community things. I worked for a few years helping my husband uh, build his immigration blog. He's an immigration attorney.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So just helping where I could, you know, when you have a family owned business, I have some knowledge that I can, I can help contribute in terms of setting up, you know, social media and the blog and everything. So I did that for a few years because I, well, this is my personality. If I'm home, With my kids, I have to be doing something that's challenging my mind. You know, I really have to. That's that's me. And then at the time, I actually started a style blog. Again, I just I love the whole style thing, but it's not what I want to do with my life. You know?
1: Yeah. Did you feel like you wanted to have like a bigger impact or more fulfilling sort of?
0: Well, the the style thing was taking a passion of mine, right? And I was really loving the writing component, which I didn't really get a chance to do in an engineering school. Yeah, but. Most of all, I think I had about a 10-year period, so it was probably like 2005 to 2015, where i feel like the world of technology was growing leaps and bounds above my capacity but of course that wasn't the case i was just so disconnected mm-hmm. from what people were learning what a blog was and all that so i used this as a way to kind of learn these skills that i knew i wanted to learn and then i knew i would enjoy doing so i did that more as you know just a um, a hobby and then i started the scoop so I started The Scoop, which was a local blog that was dedicated to highlighting local businesses. That's the way we started. And I had the initial idea to start the scoop in a little bit of a different business model. But then COVID came and I had to shift that business model. So what I ended up doing was making cold calls to businesses. It was kind of funny. Kids are, you know, in cribs downstairs the beginning of COVID and I'm like making cold calls to businesses saying, "Hey, I have this idea. You know, I want to highlight small businesses, but they probably don't have the money to invest. You know, right. would you Partner with me and sponsor me in doing this, and they're like, "Well, how many followers do you have?" I'm like, "Well, I have none, but I have, <laughs> I have an idea and I have a lot of drive." Yeah. So um, that was a really awesome experience. It gave me the opportunity to team up with some great local businesses like Ruin um, and Adirondack Trust, and you know, get to know a lot of people within the business community here. Right. Again, it completely forced me to learn things like basic video and you know a little bit more about the technology and Canva and all that stuff which I again loved doing.
1: Yeah. And you're kind of like, you know, like you blew up during COVID. You were like everywhere. As far as I was concerned, it was like every business was having you spotlight them, and it was just it well, was huge.
0: I think everyone was looking for a way to share what they had in their shop that people couldn't visit, and I yeah. was happy to do that for them. But that was a huge commitment. I, you know, nobody except for the people who live in your own home understand. You know, because I committed by contract, you know, to not only doing things for the businesses who were sponsoring me, but to be pumping out video content, person of one, you know, and and every week. So I did the video, I did the setting up of the call, I did the writing, I did the editing, I did the posting, I did the social media. And it was a lot when all those kids were home.
1: Yeah. It's a lot.
0: So as as I did that, and I so enjoyed doing that. I knew it wasn't forever, but it was such a great experience to kind of help the community in that way. And you know, at the time, I was at this point now on the board of the Y, and you know, I just always been pulled to kind of the whole world of human flourishing, the science of happiness, everything around that, personal growth, and I just saw a bigger and bigger need. I didn't want to go back to school, um, so I just did a lot of research, like what could I do to contribute to. To this problem, you know, how could I do it in a way that utilizes my skills? And so that's when, you know, I I found this one program that merged together executive coaching with positive psychology, mm-hmm. um, which is really the study of human flourishing. And I did. I went back. I took a year and just immersed myself in kind of learning everything there is to know, you know, about you know ways that we can stay mentally strong, especially with so much going on around us with technology and in COVID. You know, we had it was. Tough, you know, with all the boys being home. I was in over my head with what I'd commit to. I had my board stuff, and then we had other things. Uh, both of my husband's parents died in COVID. Mm-hmm. My dad ended up being diagnosed with cancer. He ended up passing as well. You know, I like to say it was, you know, somebody was leading me to this deep, dark place that I just was fighting against. And yeah. so I was doing whatever I could. And these things that were working so well for me, I knew could work for other people too. So I wanted to get the certification and credibility to be able to share these things with others. Yes. So it was. All these things kind of came
1: together. Yeah, a culmination, and mm-hmm. it is—it is—it's the same for me. Like all these things you don't realize are gonna—you're gonna be able to transfer those skills to a, a later version of yourself and, uh, and apply them.
0: A hundred percent. I remember starting on this one kind of one-year curriculum and saying, "What if I get in the middle of this and I don't—I don't want to use it?" And I'm like. These are skills that I need in life and I remember thinking like what if somebody dies who's close to me how will I I've never had a parent die and I was like there will be a use for these skills and mm. when I tell you there was a use for these skills I so disciplined, you know, so um, so regimented in in my practices, and it really it really got me through some tough times.
1: Yeah. So tell us more about like what what those practices are, and are these things that you learned through that curriculum, or I'd imagine you were doing a lot of this stuff already.
0: You know, bits and pieces. I often and I, I always say this in my workshops. I often feel that when you understand the science behind some of these things, you're more apt to try them and stick with them until you feel the benefit that comes with them. Yeah. Uh, but as I started going through this coaching program, the the one-on-one executive coaching at this point in my life was not attractive to me. But what I loved, I always loved the speaking. I love content creation using my brand. So, you know, I love style in general, but this was the way I could infuse style through attractive content. That made a difference in people's lives, hopefully. You know, the more and more I made, I was working my way through the coaching program and, you know, they say, where do you want a niche? I'm like, I don't know where I want a niche. Like, it became clear that we just have so many professionals who are living in a world where we used to go home and like be able to reset. You know, we had that time away from work and we're just living in a completely fractured time where with work life, you know, it's really hard and you have to create boundaries and many of us don't know how to create boundaries. And so you're homing from work and working from home and not feeling feeling like you're doing anything well. That in addition just, you know, to all of the distractions and notifications, we we are so not present. And there is this one slide I share in my workshop and it's from the 2019 World Happiness Report. And this one researcher predicted like we're going into a pretty a pretty dark place, like people are very unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic came and it's like why are we so unfulfilled? Well, because we're just we're not intentional. We're you know just leading li- life on autopilot yeah. and so what are those things that we can be doing to focus on the, the things that what i say build a resilience cushion mm-hmm. prepare us for life's inevitable unknowns, and those micro stressors that are coming at us all the time.
1: Right, right. And I think too, I remember when I first started, well, even when I opened Paint and Sip, it was like such a radical idea to open up this paint studio. And when I would tell people about like, well, why, like, they was like, why are you doing this? You're not an artist. You're, you know, and I'm like, because it's going to be fun and, right. and I will enjoy it. Yes. And like, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And I'll try something new. So some people, when I tell them all the things that I'm doing, right, like I have Paint and Sip, I have, palette i have 3 kids i you know my husband travels for work so i am like on on home life mm-hmm. like you know, basically by myself during the week and their eyes just get bigger and bigger, bigger. And it's like, it's not radical to do all these things simultaneously, you know? And it's like, again, yes. like I said earlier, as long as you can, you can put your ego aside, ask for help, be yeah. humble yeah. and get the support you need to advance all of them. Yeah. It is possible. Yeah. And, but accountability is huge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are times when I feel like I fall off the accountability wagon where I'm just like, I throw my hands in the air. I'm like, you know what? I'm in just survival mode. Yeah. But when you're like, even just a couple, like, so last week, was a rough week for me. I mean, it was like a triple whammy mm-hmm. of just bad news. Mm-hmm. And I immediately was like, you know what, I need to start listening to these meditations again. And they're like, in, it's an insight path um, meditation. And if you do it at night, it's like 60 minutes. And it's I don't, I'm sure you know all about this, but it's like theta waves or something. binaural waves. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like undertone of that or like affirmations. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's simple stuff like you're gonna be okay, you know, but I'm like, right. I recognize in one night, the next day I woke up and I felt like hopeful again, you know? And it's just like, these things do work. It's not woo woo. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like love someone like you leaning into it and talking more about it because you are so well respected in the professional community, right? Like a local community, but professionally, you know, you like you mean business. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about impact of your mental health and the positive psychology Mm -hmm. and just being happy and, and how important that is, it, it goes a long way.
0: Yeah. I, I so appreciate you saying that because one of my main goals with this business, you know, which is primarily doing workshops for organizations and for teams, is to show these professionals what you feel may be woo-woo has been scientifically proven over and over again. And I'm very careful with the way I present it because you can completely lose credibility right out of the gate. Or if it's presented in the right way, you can get their buy-in to at least give it a go.
1: Yeah. Because
0: the fact is, things like that, the meditation you're doing, you know, carving out quiet. One of the biggest concerns I have for my kids' generation, and really it's for us as well, is we don't have those moments of solitude anymore. You feel slightly uncomfortable and you grab your phone and scroll because it's been scientifically proven that when we're feeling stressed about something or uneasy, that is you know, appeasing something in us biologically. And if you're not intentional about carving out, kudos to you for the 60-minute meditation, but I tell people to start at three minutes. Create something that's a routine where mm-hmm. you have just a few mindful moments free of technology because it's in those quiet moments that sometimes the best solutions to your problems you can see.
1: Yeah. I've always been sort of an old soul. Like I enjoy spending time with older people. Mm-hmm. I have great relationships with older older people who have been mentors to me. And I used to always sort of like, and I still to this day think this, it's like, you shouldn't have to get old to have wisdom right. to like be a happier person, right? Like, how can we get there faster? Oh, 100%. Is it spending time with older people? Is it spending, is it just share? I, I believe it's just shared experiences, like sharing stories and shared experiences and wisdom and passing it down and, and sharing.
0: Well, I'm a firm believer in one of the things that I, you know, talk about. The program that I do, that my framework, it includes five building blocks of happiness and resilience, one of them being evoking the positive. And, you know, we can spend all day in the negative place in our brain, if we allow it or we can purposefully set our intentions and our a- attention right to the things that are going well and it's so easy you know not only because of the world around us and the negative news and there's something called a negativity bias we just we remember more of the negative mm-hmm. You have to focus on the positive and you you need to make it a practice whether it's a like every night before bed and i started this because literally it's part of my planner system what was your win today just making sure that you were focusing on that because if not you're just going to be going on to the next thing that didn't go well and you're going to be absolutely overcome with all the things that you're not doing well. You know, and I I think it's really important, either whether it's through a little win, you know, celebrating the wins every day or through a short gratitude practice, just a couple minutes a day, to really start shifting your mindset and focusing on all these awesome things that are going on. And you're so much less likely to be pulled under when the things don't go as planned. Because they very often don't, as we know.
1: Yeah. I'm sort of like on both sides of it. I just feel like I was brought up to just be a realist you know Mm -hmm. like life sucks sometimes life's hard and you just kind of gotta like go with it Mm -hmm. and then there's this other side of me that's i and i recently like one of my really good friends you know i'm aware and i'm also i'm kind of going all over the place right here but i'm also a worst case scenario person where i'm like okay plan for the worst thing like what is the worst Mm -hmm. thing that could happen and hope for the best right and then when things do go well you're pleasantly surprised Mm -hmm. and a little maybe you know starstruck by it Mm -hmm. but i have a friend who doesn't ever think of the worst thing she's like why would you even think about this that. Why would you even put that thought into your brain for, okay. it, to, for it to percolate? So she doesn't even
0: so think I, about I need, it. <laughs> I need to interject here. So so there, one of the exercises that I share with my students is something that was founded in, in the field of positive psychology by a, a Dr. Gabrielle Oettingen, I think is her name. But she is like an expert in goal realization. And she feels strongly that we don't just visualize a positive outcome. We must visualize the obstacles that are coming Coming along the way, not only because we're better prepared for when we get to that obstacle, but it just inherently gives us more confidence to go for it because we're like, yeah. we got this. You know, if this happens, I got this. So chances are, if somebody is never looking at any of the obstacles, as soon as an obstacle comes, you know, they're they're more likely to get sidetracked or to give up
1: or just not start to begin with or
0: or not start right yeah. exactly yeah. because that. It's too scary to them.
1: So um, I have so many questions. Like, do you do vision boarding or?
0: You know, I don't personally do vision boarding, but there are also a lot of great visualization meditations where you really are trying to kind of embody the situation that you want to be in. I remember when I took on the uh, capital campaign for the Y and we we just are pretty much wrapping that up now. And that was one of the biggest challenges of my life. And I'm so glad I did it, but it was really, really hard to do. Getting Mm -hmm. out of my comfort zone. Yeah. But what I had to do was, Was really visualize the people who would be using this space, you know, and the people who would never have access. You know, one thing about the why, whether you know this or not, is we believe that everyone should have access to wellness, regardless of your ability to pay. So I always focus on that, you know, when I'm thinking of the hard work I'm doing, well, these are the people who are gonna benefit. The whole community benefits. But right. you know, that's that's what drives me. So a few weeks back, you know, I have been in the new space several times, which is here, you know, here in Saratoga. But when I was in, it it hadn't yet been kind of full of people yet. And then a few weeks back, it was like a holiday weekend or something. And I walked in and it was packed. And oh. I like it, it brought me to tears. And yeah. I'm like, this is what I envisioned. And I'm so happy right now. But yeah. you've got to stop and like really take it in, you yeah. know?
1: I mean, and then what happens next, right? So you and I have both built things out of nothing. I mean, that's a huge part of like, I think about that all the time. Patentship didn't exist before mm-hmm. I brought it here. And now there's multiple locations in the area. People know what it is. And it's the same with palette. There was nothing and then there was palette, right? you know? And there was this beautiful why that existed. But now there's like this whole extra wing and there's so many more services and stuff. So how do you sort of like deal with what happens after? Like, do you have the sense like, like you have to keep one upping your goals or
0: i think if you are in the practice of celebrating your wins you're not so much likely to be kicking that goal post and trying to get the next and the next you know yeah. yes i mean even while i was going through that campaign or no matter what business venture i was into at the moment i always have a thousand of ideas of what else i want to do Yeah. so what i find at least with myself is as something's kind of rolling out i'm already rolling up that next thing you know whatever is important to me at the moment and there's definitely not a lack of of those things you know i wouldn't say it's because i'm constantly trying to kind of one up myself um, it's just I always want to be moving and growing and learning. I took the um, via strengths analysis, which is in positive psychology, they feel that to be a happy human, you always must be using like, your strengths instead of like really working on your weaknesses. You you got to like really lean into your strengths. Yeah. And so I took this analysis and I mean, my number one was like love of learning. And I think no matter what I'm doing, it's like as soon as I know I, I'm making that commitment, I am all in. And that's just always always the way but I, I get so much joy inherently out of the learning that even if something didn't work out i would be okay because i now i have so much more to make that next step yeah
1: yeah like just a good student you know like i've, I've heard that too like you're such a good student and I'd like to be coached and I like to be, yes. told, you know, held accountable. You know, yes. I think sometimes we find in leaders that, you know, they're know-it-alls or they have these big egos and it's like they have all the answers. And I just think the leaders that I find uh, inspiration and admiration from are people who are willing to listen and, you know, sort of like that servant leadership type of style.
0: And they're continuously learning, yeah. right? I mean, you know, nobody got to where, you know, I think we're in this world of social media, you're so Likely, especially when you're starting a business or starting something new, to be comparing yourself to somebody who is doing something in your world, but they're at a different place. Well, they went through so much to get to where they are. And, like, you know, with social media being the highlights of everyone's life, we're just not you know, we're, we're not reminding people of that. You know, right. there a lot of stuff went into that.
1: Yeah. I sometimes say like, I work really hard to make it look easy. And sometimes that's a disservice to people because they don't recognize like what is act right. what, what actions am I taking on a daily basis to right. show up the way that I, I do. So it's just like, we're all human and we're trying the best that we can.
0: I give the perception, right, that I have it all together, but nobody does, you right. know, absolutely nobody does. And, you know, my husband and I have this funny thing. He's like, you such a fraud. Everyone thinks <laughs> everyone thinks you have it together. He's like, look at this place. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But it is what it is. You know, you, you have to come clean.
1: Yeah, yeah. So If anyone, you've been doing like a lot of speak, I feel like you've been doing a lot of speaking engagements and traveling and going to, I'm I'm assuming like corporations and doing like leadership training or with their executive teams or tell us more about that and how people might want to like engage with you.
0: Yeah. So the, the workshops that I've put together help, you know, lower stress and burnout and increase resilience and well-being. And I think what I offer organizations is this way of introducing the subject of mental strength in a very non-threatening way. You know, unfortunately there's still a little bit of a stigma around Mental health. So it's doing, you know, leadership trainings. The other day, I was speaking to a group of human resource professionals and emerging leaders. They had come to me saying our emerging leaders are in an unprecedented place where there's so there's so much on their shoulders. You know, how can we support them in what they're facing? And and so they brought me in to do this workshop. But I do workshops for organizations. You know, I do keynote speeches at conferences, which share these five fundamental building blocks and some science behind how they work. And yeah, I'm. I'm excited just to to keep on moving because I feel that you know this is the perfect place in my life where I'm able to perfectly meld my skills with something I feel so strongly about and that is just a feels so good you know to to have that combination of things. Yeah,
1: and it's just you've reaped the rewards of doing all this for yourself and for your family and like why wouldn't you want to share that with as many people as you possibly can yeah, and, and get paid for it. Exact, well,
0: exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. you know and and I know that there's a need. I know there's a need from the leadership level and from the employee level. I just put together my first of what I'm hoping probably in this quarter, um, I'm going to be releasing a library of very short meditations for the busy working professional oh, cool. that really target very specific issues in the workplace. You know, maybe you're feeling tension in your body, um, maybe you have like a toxic workplace situation um, with another individual. So, things that target that give employees kind of that easy bridge to learning meditation and seeing how doable it really
1: is. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't have to be 60 minutes. And it honestly, doesn't have to be 60 minutes. The only reason I do that 60-minute one is like cuz it's at night and I right. probably fall asleep in the first 10 minutes. Right. But I'm thinking, well what I what I believe is happening is that these thoughts are still entering my brain. Yeah, and sleeping. and there's probably
0: some science behind that, <laughs> but I I kind of start them a little bit uh yeah, baby steps. more elementary. Yeah. Yeah,
1: awesome. Well, thank you so much for oh, being here. Oh, this was my
0: pleasure. Thank you so much I for having you, me. And oh, this I was think so great.
1: I mean, I I I admire you your inspiration your role model and I and I so
0: are you and I love how you have taken and run with Marie Forleo uses the term multi-passionate entrepreneur. Yes, you yes. know I think we're at a place in history where we don't need a label of only one thing. Like, if you want to do all these different things, just go do them.
1: So, if somebody wants to connect with you, where is the best? Are you LinkedIn, LinkedIn I would assume?
0: Yeah, I'm active on LinkedIn uh, under Allie Myers. Um, it might be Andrew Allie Myers training, I'm not sure. Um, Instagram, Ally Myers, uh, and AllisonMyers.com shows you a list of services and also links to all my socials.
1: So this week's FaceTime Mom moment was a tough one, okay? Y'all know I was out of town without my kids, again, to ride in a Mardi Gras parade, and my best friend's mom passed away, so I had a funeral to go to, and I missed out on ski lessons yesterday. Luckily, I have an awesome husband, and he's a great dad, and he did lots of video, so I felt like I wasn't missing out, but when I got home last night and I asked them how they did, Ruby was so excited because she's been working on these J-turns, and you can't Go to the bunny hill and so you master or perfect these J turns at least so many times. So the time be like not this past Sunday, but Sunday before that, when I was there, I was like being like one of those sideline moms who was like really frustrated because they weren't weren't letting her advance with the other kids, and she kept on getting kind of like mixed in the group, and she was like upset, so she kept on like signing to me like it's time for me to go over to the bunny hill, and I'm like you got to speak up, girlfriend, you got to use your voice. So when we got her in the car. She's like I don't understand why they're not letting me go over to the bunny hill, and I was like. You You gotta speak up for yourself, you know, like let the coach know that you are ready to go down that bunny hill, damn it. And so she's like, okay, next weekend I'm gonna practice. And I was sort of bummed, like, I'm not gonna be there to. witness this I'm pretty competitive so I was like I was feeling a little like okay she's good like move her on and advance the child already because she's got her little sister Zia like right on her heels because Zia is actually really really good at it so far it's only like her third time being on skis but she's very very good anyway I get home last night and I'm like how did we do what did we do Did you all have fun you know and Ruby's like mom I got to go down the bunny hill she was so excited and then Mark's like Katie she actually cried when they when they gave her like little vests because they all at, like, these adorable, these, like, cute jersey red vests to go down the bunny hill so you can separate the ones that are advancing and the ones that are not there yet. And Mark said she started to tear up. She was so overwhelmed and proud that she got to advance. And I, in that moment, was like happy for her, but also. Feeling like the mom guilt because I wasn't there to witness it myself and that sucks. You know, that sucks that feeling when you're like, oh, I wasn't there for that. But the reality of the matter is, is like I'm raising these strong, independent girls. Their mom is not always going to be there. Right. Like, I mean, I'm not going to last forever as much as I would love to. And it's important to me that they can stand on their own two feet and have these experiences without me eventually right so why not start now that's my facepalm mom moment it's kind of a sad one but you know I think mom guilt is real and we all feel it and you know sometimes I think it can hold you back it can hold you back from doing the things that you really want to do or that you feel like you need to be present for out of fear that you're going to miss out on something else that your kids are doing so I just I think it's important to share these stories I got it you got it we all got it but if it makes you feel a little less isolated you know and alone that you know you're not doing At all, I am here for you to make you feel a little more supported. All right, moms and dads, I got a parenting hack for you, and it's called the Hoffman Car Wash. If you are a member of the Unlimited Car Wash Club, you're in for a real treat because you can go for free, essentially, if you're paying the monthly fee. I don't know if we're doing any girl math or mom math here, but you pay the fee and you can go get a car wash as many times as you want. And it's one of those things that's like a multifaceted experience. If I'm with the kids, they love to ask the car guy, like if he can draw a little design on the window They always play ball. They always do something fun. And then we go on through the car wash and it's almost like this thing comes over my kids. Like they're not psychopaths when we leave the car wash. It's like some sense of like therapy for them. Also form of therapy when I am by myself and I need to go to the car wash because it's the only place I can scream out loud with no judgment. So if you are not already a member of the unlimited car wash club at Hoffman, you are missing out on a treat. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And if you want to connect with me, slide into my DMs on Instagram. My handle is Katherine Hover.